Electricast. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save $1 each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting Walter Zajac to the show today. He's the author of a book, They Came, Beyond Deja Vu. When reading this book, you must remember that this novel is actually the true story of renowned psychic Walter Zajac, our guest, positioned as fiction and couched in fictitious names, it doesn't really lessen the impact and tragedy of what he endured as an abandoned, orphan, beaten, and sexually abused child in post-war Germany, and later in America. It's a miracle he survived at all. But what's really astonishing about this story is how Zajac awakened to his incredible gifts as a psychic. With deeply realistic dreams about two young women also suffering from their own traumas, the six-year-old Walter felt their pain. Only then, when he met them years later as a 44-year-old adult, did Walter discover that these were actual scenes in their lives, but he experienced them years before they were born. It took a psychotherapist who was the daughter of an accomplished Toltec shaman to explain to Walter that he wasn't crazy, he was just psychic. They Came Beyond Deja Vu is a wrenching read, a supernatural thriller, and probably worthy of a good film or miniseries on Netflix. Walter is here today to give us a preview. For nearly 20 years, he's been hailed as one of the best psychics on the West Coast. As an acclaimed psychic medium, certified tarot reader, NLP coach, Reiki master, and love coach, Walter has empowered and guided thousands through enlightening psychic readings and inspiring coaching and healing sessions globally. Walter's experience working in 12 different countries has given him keen insight into people's distinctions, commonalities, and cultures. He continues to receive dreams and psychic visions that come true. It's a great pleasure. I welcome Walter to the show. Welcome to the show, Walter. Thank you, Jason. What a great intro. <laughs> I, I love so your much. story. I love Thank your story you. because as we were just talking before we started the interview, we were, we, were, we were just discussing the impact that spirituality could have on our individual lives and what we do as psychics working with our clients and others. I wanted to ask you, how did you first realize that you had an intuitive gift? 
in in my case, and I think it's the same for a lot of people. I didn't realize it wasn't normal. And in other words, I have had dreams come true and psychic visions since my earliest memories, which literally go back to four years old. I remember events from that age that were, what's that word, corroborated? I almost said certified. That's a strange <laughs> word. Corroborated by half brother and half sister that I found many years later. And you grew up in, in post-war Germany, is that right? That's where it all started. Yeah. 11 years after World War II ended, you know, and gosh, with the news right now, this is all pretty fresh. But 11 years after the war ended, my city and 36 other cities in Germany were still about 50 percent leveled, just bombed out shells of buildings and piles of rubble. I remember taking the bus if when we had to go into town and there, there would just be block after block after block of just devastation. And it was because those 36 cities were anywhere from 85 to 95% leveled by American and British bombers uh, towards the end of the war. And the reason for that was the Nazis were hiding munitions plants and tank factories and you name it among the population. And the Americans and British had little choice other than to just do what they call carpet bombing, which is just, you know, in strips where everything gets destroyed. But that was devastating to grow up in. And, and, and yet it was normal for me. It was my normal reality. And yet I would see men without arms, men without legs. My papa had a friend who had no legs and got around on a four-legged dolly like uh, Eddie Murphy in Trading Places, if you've ever seen that movie. But this guy actually had no legs, right? And, and, and then violence and anger, right? Because this was a defeated nation and then embarrassment by what came out, the concentration camps, right? So it was a defeated angry place to grow up in and very poor. And then that's the whole point of this very poor and so many orphans, right? And even though I had two parents who were alive, my father was not married to my mother and he was a severe alcoholic wife beater. He would come home almost every night drunk as a skunk and beat the crap out of her. Don't know why I'm laughing, but it was scary. Oh, you know? And at six, six years old, I couldn't do a thing about it. I was sent on a train ride which for me at the time was exciting as hell because I had never even ridden in a car because Germany was so poor. For me, it was exciting as heck. I had an older brother and sister. Half They had different, a different father than I, but we all lived together. And I was excited to train ride because they always got to do cool stuff and I didn't. Right? And I went with a Red Cross lady on a two-hour train ride, but at the end of the train ride and a walk through the country, I ended up at a place called Orphanage. And it was a word I'd never heard before. And I was told, you're never going, never going home again. And it was like the ultimate loss of power and, and not even being able to conceive that this could possibly be true. Are you kidding? All right. <clears throat> yeah. That night I was beat up by one of the bully kids and, you know, being the new kid anywhere is tough, but especially the new kid in an orphanage where everybody's clamoring for any attention from the adults, any kind of affection or attention, it's severely competitive. This happened because everybody in the family knew that my mama was dying of cancer for a year before she died, except me. I didn't know. And 
just you know my mama decided that was for my protection i guess emotionally right that it would be too difficult for me to handle that she was dying all this time but the beautiful part jason is that she made the last year of her life with me beautiful man i i still just just totally relish christmas because of the christmas that she made it was her last one you know, six months before she died as you're recounting this my heart you probably see my facial reaction like whoa yeah. <laughs> like that sounds like that's very hard to deal with i mean i had an alcoholic father myself but i wasn't left at an orphanage and my parents were divorced when i was six months old so i never had to deal with it firsthand unless i visited my dad where i saw him do you know be drunk at night and create some ruckus but he never thank yeah. god he was physically abusive, but not when I was around him as a child. And yeah. hearing what you're going through and hearing the be like taking this train ride and oh wow, I'm on a train. I haven't been on a train. It's it's amazing. I was excited. <laughs> and in post-war Germany, where you're it really experiencing so much heartache and so much difficult conditions. I guess from my vantage point, I wanted to ask you is how did you work through the experience of being left there? And I'm sure it took you years later to find out the reason why you were left there. But how did that impact you even till now, your life? Like, I know you mentioned Christmas and I support that 100 percent of <laughs> memories. Yeah, but how did yeah. you I mean, how did you work through the, the enormity of, of that experience? Because I know that's not something that an average person nonetheless could just talk about. But then build yeah. a life. I think maybe you experienced something similar, but for you, it was like a process that happened in a couple of steps. First of all, your dad being absent from your life for any of us, when that happens, that's emotional abandonment and it scars us severely, right? It makes yeah. us feel like somehow we weren't worthy. Why the hell couldn't he stay? And why wasn't I good enough? And, and then even blaming mom because she made this mistake, right? You just name it. You come from a really unsettled place where you have to turn inward because the outside world was crap. <laughs> and then when your grandfather died, that was like the ultimate abandonment is what I feel from you. I love that you're reading me right now because this is what I do to guess on the show. Yeah. And, and you're reading me like a page from the book. I'm going to tell you, and I'm not afraid to be vulnerable to my audience or to you. I love that about fear, you. That's the cool. Greatest, <laughs> the greatest fear I have in life is being abandoned and being yeah. neglected and being ignored and being left yeah. behind by somebody I care about. Yeah, like if somebody really so, wants to do damage to me, they can ghost me. That would be enough damage. Like, yeah, <laughs> leave me behind. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. But then the point I'm making for you when your grandpa died, then you had to go to the spiritual world because from that point, it was just no longer tolerable to be in the physical world because it just didn't make any sense at all. And like me, I think you felt like maybe the universe, God was against you. It's like, what the hell? Don't do this to me. Yeah. And I, I never questioned my relationship with God, but I had a hard time going through that as a child. I remember seeing families in New Jersey with two parents yeah. and they seemed to have more abundance and they seemed to have more in general. And I remember I was provided for, I wasn't neglected, but there's something you can't do with two parents that you do with one kind of thing. And absolutely my whole life, I've always, you know, those things resonate. So when you going through it, I can see. So that. then I'm answering the question of what did I do? How did I compensate? How did I cope? Right. <laughs> I'm paying attention. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> and that is, I went to that place that you went to when your grandpa died. And that is the spiritual world is the only place that makes any sense at all. 
right? It was a place of refuge. It was a place of comfort. It was a place of connection, in your case, to grandpa, in my case, to mama, in my case, to I had aunts and uncles and cousins who should have, I felt, come and gotten me. Why was I stuck, you know? And they actually allowed my papa to come and visit me a few weeks later to tell me that my mama had died. And he said, yeah, I was going to come back in a few weeks and pick me up, but he couldn't. So I went inward to the spirit world. And then that's where what happens in the novel comes into play. I actually had these two imaginary friends. They were both, in my impression, in their teenage years and both girls. And I had had them before I went to the orphanage. And um, you read it in the introduction. It was constant daily interaction, sometimes more interaction on that in the spirit world than in the physical world, because it was a place of comfort. Even during the times that I would see my my father beat the crap out of my mother and then have to help my mother the next day bring her stuff because she couldn't walk because, you know, you name it. I haven't had anyone that shows so much synchronicity on my show before where like their synchronous. I wasn't left at an orphanage, of course, but my relationship with my dad was similar. My dad wasn't like, those are themes that I resonates with me. And and my heart goes out to you. Obviously you don't need my heart going out to you now because you've created an amazing novel to share part of your story and center it around, you know, your actual coping mechanisms in your life. It feels like you took a lot of the experiences of your life and put it into your book for one. And to try to talk about things like deja vu and dreams and ESP and all those kind of things. I want to ask you, how did how long was the novel in your head before you actually wrote it? I started it in 95 because um, that was I had been in, in therapy with this psychologist, the daughter of a Toltec shaman that you mentioned. And for the audience, uh, a lot of people know what a Toltec shaman is in case you don't. The teachings of Don Juan by Carlos Castaneda. Don Juan was a Toltec shaman. Carlos Castaneda actually was an apprentice in the writing of that series of books and became a shaman at the end of it. And then the Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz, he's a Toltec shaman. And it's a tradition that goes back many thousands of years, way beyond recorded history and wisdom, beyond wisdom, just amazing tribal wisdom, shamanic wisdom, wisdom from the, the spirit world. And... She, like you mentioned in the introduction, recognized that what happened to me was a mechanism that I created in order to not be alone. Because being told, kid, you're never never going home again and not understanding why was like the ultimate abandonment. And so I interacted with these two girls on a regular basis. And then, as you mentioned in the introduction for both of them, each of them, I saw an event that a traumatic event that happened in their lives. I saw it over and over in detail in visions, dreams, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Sometimes you're half awake and half in the spirit world where you're in both places at the same time. Right. I could, I could totally relate to that. For me, it's, 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 I call it synchronicity a lot, but it's like when you can encounter both the spiritual realm, I'd say, I mean, everybody says this, that we're spiritual beings living in a physical world, you know, that kind of thing. And I I think you being a fellow psychic, you can understand that where people think, oh, you two are so special. You have these special gifts and abilities. You know, I say to people, everybody's got them. How in tuned are you with yourself? 
And usually when you go through harrowing experiences, like what you've experienced, especially, I believe our senses are opened up to that. And I feel like we can utilize it to help and heal other people and give them clarity and reassurance. And I think that's really what it's all about. Our ability to tune in or, or tap in is probably to help guide ourselves. My psychic abilities don't really work on myself. I get that premonitions, but normally it's for other people. And normally I find it has to do with healing and helping and reassuring and clarifying. I guess I want to ask you what your opinion was on that. Absolutely. And that's my, my handle online is the empowerment psychic. Yes. And I know you do the same thing in every (laughs) session. I want to make sure I'm giving you information that you can use to make better choices. So you find the happiness and success you're looking for. That's empowerment. And for most of us, it's hard to see our own stuff. You know this in your own world, right? It's a lot easier for someone else to see objectively what's going on with us and give us insight. And so that's what you and I do with our clients. And in writing the book, you mentioned, um, when did it start? 95, right? That's when I first started and it went through many formats. And I finally bought a course on how to write a novel so that it keeps people on the edge of their seat. And from what people tell me, I succeeded in that. I keep people on the edge of their seat. And then circumstantially being in Hollywood, living in Los Angeles, I mean, you meet people in show business, in the movie industry and TV industry. And at a a party, one of my best friends is a film composer. and, And one of his best friends who I really connected with is a guy named Craig McKay, who's an Oscar nominated film editor. And Film editor. You know, people don't hear about film editors, right? It's, you know, who who knows a film editor, it's, right? It's like one of those things where you go see a great movie and you stay and yeah. you watch it, and then they add the credits, and all the names are flashing up at the end of the movie. Unless you pause it and read every name, unless it's a prominent name on the project, yeah. you're probably not going to notice it. Yeah. And then Oscar nominated, right? Even there, people don't recognize the name. So, but film editors, if you uh, ask any of them video editors they're the ones that make the movie they're the ones that make it powerful right by focusing only on the nose first or coming back or n- not focusing too long on that scene or making sure that what you're saying is also said without the words right by what you're showing what you're focusing on and i listened to craig for two hours that night it was just me and craig of oh cool oh cool and so i used his ideas in the book to just really bring it home to people and the reason that was so important to me is for me the book has a three-part message to inspire people like we're doing in this show to overcome their own abuse and abandonment whether that's physical abandonment or emotional abandonment because it's so rampant on our planet, people being abused in some way or another, and to inspire people to really love themselves, which is the what the empowerment is all about, you know, in order to really allow the good things into your life, you have to feel like you're worthy, right? And I know that you've gone through your own process yes. of making sure that you believe you're worthy. And then to show that most people, and you experience this, I'm sure, in your work, most people have some kind of psychic events in their lives, like deja vu, which is when a dream comes true, or ESP, knowing that Susie's going to call and how she's doing, right, before she calls. <laughs> so it's really common. And then the whole point, I think it's what I feel in, is so much a, an important part of your show, is to show to people that this is life, you know, that... 
we're not different, you and me, because we do this professionally, because everybody out there has, like you mentioned, some awareness, and it's all a matter of how much you allow yourself to be aware of it, and in many cases, how much you believe it's even possible. I, I want to ask you something, and, and I think the theme is something that is consistent with what I talk about all the time is healing. When you go through a traumatic situation like your childhood and, and being left at an orphanage, for example, there's a lot you got to work through. And there's moments, it's not a perfect art of science when you heal. It could take a lifetime. It could take 30 years. It could take a week. It depends on what it is and how you handle it. I want to ask you, since you've been through some pretty significant things yourself, I mean, we could say about me, I'm interviewing you right now. I want to ask you, what have you, what have you found for your own sense of self that you've been able to master regarding healing? And how it's worked through in your life with the different things and the adversity you've overcome. Because you've overcome adversity, whether or not you want to call it by a word, it's 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 overcoming. And, and, and healing is yeah. a big part of that journey. Yeah. It's one of the things that my psychologist emphasized in every session. And that is loving myself. Really believing that I was even worthy of love. Which considering what happened. And in your case too, you're feeling abandoned by your dad. You don't feel worthy of love and you question yourself and, and psychic, sorry, um, quantum physics says that we create our own reality. And so if that's our perception of life, we're going to recreate that over and over to where, and it's almost as if we prove it to ourselves. So what she emphasized is seriously loving me. And she took me through a couple of times an exercise where I put five-year-old Walter on my lap with his back to me and I put my arms around him and put my cheek against the top of his hair. And she had me, like we do in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, really go into it with all five of my physical senses, but then also my emotional sense and the spiritual sense. And then it's one of the things that I really emphasize you talked you and I talked about in the pre-interview is making it practical, making making it relate to actual life. And the point is, Einstein said over a hundred years ago, there is no time and it's been proven scientifically ever since. And so little Walter still exists. Little Jason still exists. Yes. And she approached it from a perspective of have a relationship with him and especially Give him the love he never had. Give it to him as the adult loving little Walter, right? And then the next step is being little Walter and feeling that love from adult Walter. And it's a four-step process that I do with clients all the time, which is incredibly effective because it literally brings your little little Jason to a realistic perspective where you're actually feeling him and actually feeling what little Jason was feeling at the time and realizing that he wants nothing more than just to be loved, wow. right? And since you know little Jason better than anybody ever could, you know exactly how to love him and what he needs. And so for that reason, you are the one who can give him the very most. And it has to start with there. And if we're not doing that for ourselves, then we can't even accept love from outside of ourselves. 
It's so interesting you brought that up in your answer because as I was just thinking while you were telling this, I was thinking back to my own personal example. You brought up my dad. And one of the things that I've gained in experience, and you know, our lives are chapters in a book. It doesn't end. It's not like I could say, it's not like you and I could say you, your life changed and ended forever when you got left at the orphanage. And my life ended when my dad you know, passed away in 2012. The, the interesting thing about being a medium is my dad came to me f- over the span of between 2012 and 2022 or 2021, nine, 10 times asking for forgiveness. And it took me until the pandemic and being alone a lot and reflecting inwards and guiding myself through these exercises. I finally managed to heal my dad, to heal myself and my relationship with my dad, because I did feel the quintessential pressure of being abandoned by him my whole life. And I finally forgave him. And now I find he comes in dreams and guides me. And I have one picture of my dad and I finally printed it, put it in an envelope, uh, put it in a in a frame and I look at it and I, I manifest on it. And I feel like my dad's there because his alcohol, like your dad, you know, the alcohol and all that, it, yeah. it, it's not who they are. It, their mental health is not who they are when they do the things they do. And that's part of the healing process. And I wanted to ask you about that and your findings on it and your perception. Behind, behind me over here, that's my mama. My papa died. When was that? 1980, I think. And I wasn't sad. I was glad. But since then, my mama is in my life all the time. Um, And she has been since the days at the orphanage. And then especially since uh, my psychologist brought her really back vividly into my awareness. But then forgiving my, my papa, especially recalling the memories of what I saw my mama go through. That was really hard. But I have gotten to the point where. It's one of the things that I have learned in talking to dead people, as they say in Hollywood, (laughs) being a psychic medium is that from the ultimate spiritual perspective, nothing is either good or bad. It just is. Right. And as far as I can tell, we do seem to reincarnate. We have different incarnations. And as far as I can tell, we have seemed to have a choice about basically what we want to experience in the next lifetime, in the coming lifetime. We make those choices. We have an outline. We maintain free will the whole time, but we have an outline. And then other people, like my papa, had an outline of a perpetrator, violator. And I had gotten to the point, and even with my adoptive uh, abusive parents, where I thank them for the good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that helps. It's one of my favorite phrases to tell clients, and that is gratitude is the antidote to fear. Gratitude is the antidote to emotional pain. And gratitude really leads to easy forgiveness. If I can find stuff to be grateful to them about, then, okay, yeah, I can accept what happened. And then especially from the ultimate spiritual perspective, yeah, they were playing a role in my life. And in particular, (laughs) they allowed me to become this person. If they hadn't been these a-holes, I couldn't have been become this person. I couldn't have this wisdom that allows me to help other people. I love that. I love the way you phrase that just now, because you kind of just you couch it in such a way that it's so it's so straightforward and and it's relatable. I mean, (laughs) you deal with hardship and you deal with difficult people. That's going to help craft you to be able to have wisdom to help those who come to you and help ask for help, right? Those who are bewildered, they're upset about their relationships or they're, 
depressed about whatever. And, and from my vantage point, looking at where we are right now, I think we're on the cusp, of, and we're already in the middle of it, I think, a spiritual renaissance. I really do think that with all the death and dying we've been through and the pain of the pandemic and everything else with the instability of the world, that people are starting to realize what you and I've realized in our own lives, that we're, we're going to have spiritual experiences and be spiritually awoke and look at the world from a much different context than what we were raised as children to believe. And I wanted to see from your vantage point, have you had the ability to share with your clients and, and the people in general you interact with that, yes, this is just a staging ground. Like we're learning, we're guiding our wisdom. We're supposed to have fun here. It's important to have fun. And if you don't make it about fun, you're going to really be giving yourself a disservice. And I'm going to ask if you could talk to our audience about your own viewpoints on how important it is to make the best of the circumstances and have fun in the process. I have the impression sometimes that people get tired of hearing me say, you got to have fun, make it fun. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, make it fun. If you're not having fun, how in the hell can you be happy? Right. right. And in every session, dude, and then when I post something, videos that I post, inspirational videos, almost always, it almost always includes make it fun. Whatever you're doing, dishes, cleaning the toilet, the bathtub, figure out a way to make it fun. And one of the most effective ways to make anything fun, again, is to figure out something to be grateful for about it. I'm glad I have a damn toilet that works, right? Because there are places in the world where people don't, especially now where they're getting bombed. And, you know, that's something that uh, in terms of transition to a new spiritual awareness, I'm seeing it in the world's reaction to what's happening in the Ukraine, in the Ukraine, absolutely no longer the Ukraine, it's Ukraine. And what I mean by that is people seem to be really feeling what these people are going through. And, you know, gosh, yeah, it's happening in so many countries all over the planet. But the reason that people are feeling it, I believe, so much more than in any other time, in any other place, is the fact that what's happening could affect all of Western Europe and the United States, and that literally any day it could lead to nuclear war. That's where we are. And it's causing people to turn to the spiritual side, to my God, Facebook is so full of at least the people that I know, <laughs> maybe different in other places, but so full of empathy and sympathy and how can we help? And it's really bringing people together in the sense of understanding that we're all in this together, that we're all interdependent and codependent, not just in an economic way, but damn dudes in a spiritual way, in a spiritual way. What's happening to them is making people hurt big time. You know, I, I'm glad you brought up Ukraine because for me, I've been I've been glued to the TV watching stuff about it. And I'm sure you're like me. You feel like you just need to pray. And it affects the stuff that happens outside of our world, you know, like pandemic and social injustice, injustice in the United States, for example, or the Ukraine, they take a toll on us. We may not realize it emotionally, yeah. spiritually, they, they, they can take a toll on us. And it's about managing ourselves. And I, I love what you, when you talk about gratitude, because having gratitude is like a superpower, I believe. And in and, and the sense that it gives us the ability to not feel like we're victims. Yeah. It takes us from having the mindset of being a victim to, like you said, feeling more empowered. Because if you're able to take a bad situation and say, you know, if it wasn't for that situation, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Or if it wasn't for someone treating me so badly, I wouldn't have the wisdom to deal with other difficult people that come my way in the same 
type of fashion, like that can cause a lot of harm to ourselves anyway. So we learn from our experiences and gratitude is that glue that kind of gets us through the, 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 the negative tough spots. If you let it. Yeah. I want to connect some dots on the fun that we were talking about. One of the questions you asked was, how did I cope? What brought me to the place of of feeling like I had healed and had my power again? And yeah, part of it was self-love, but then the other part was fun, 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 fun. I love, 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 love in my life, right? And it's one of the things that when I talk to dead people, and I've been doing that for 20 years, it's emphasized by everybody on the other side. And just to give myself some credibility and probably you too, and that is when I do it, I learned this from watching, what's his name? James Von Prague. He likes to prove to the client that I'm really talking to Uncle Bob, right? So I ask Uncle Bob for three things that connect Susan and Uncle Bob. Susan's on the phone with me, right? And and those are things that were her favorites, or his favorites, or moments where they really connected in order to show Susan, this really is Uncle Bob. And the moment I do that, then usually Susan bursts into tears and says, it's Uncle Bob, right? And then, oh, and you know it, I'm sure. (laughs) I I usually burst into tears too, right? And But the reason I'm giving this credibility is the information I get from them, I wanted to give it credibility because I know I'm talking to Uncle Bob by the stuff that, you know, that just proved to Susan that it's Uncle Bob. And every single time I've consistently, I've never had a person on the other side say anything differently than, oh my God, I didn't have enough fun. And oh my God, I didn't love enough. And oh my God, I can't do any of that now. Why? They're trying to communicate, but generally nobody's listening, right? And that's the gratitude that I feel from Uncle the Uncle Bob's is, oh my God, thank you for letting me talk to Susan because generally nobody wants to see a spirit in the room or hear voices. And so Susan and the rest of us, we block that stuff out, right? So poor Uncle Bob has been trying to communicate, hey, I can help you this way, but nobody's listening, right? So interesting as you say that, as you were saying, hearing voices clinically, if you were to say, I'm hearing voices, you try to get <laughs> sent somewhere for a few days, right? And yes. assess. <laughs> yeah. But when it comes to us being psychic mediums, yeah. it's our normal daily routine. We pick up things all the time. We're like, reflect, yeah. you know, we, we, we get a lot of those things. And I wanted to ask you about this. This is just a side note, since you're a fellow psychic medium. I find that in at this stage of my life, I will get synchronicities on top of synchronicities within synchronicities. And what I mean by that is, let's say I'm sitting here on my earthly side, like James Van Prague uh, always talks about how you have your ego and your human side and your psychic spiritual side and stuff. And there'll be a day or two, like during the pandemic where I got stressed out. And I was like, oh, what am I gonna do about money, finances coming up? And my grandfather came to me in a dream and he said, pay attention to what you get today. You're gonna see, you're gonna get some guy. And I woke up that morning, like, okay, I'm gonna pay attention to what I get. I'm looking around like, where is it coming? When's it, when's it starting? And what I got that day was three new clients at my law firm, two new guests for my show, and four new requests for psychic in the span of two hours from the time I woke up. And what I got from that was, look at the bigger picture. Sometimes our audience is consumed by what's in front of them and are not able to see around the corner or what's up, what's coming up. And I I find that that's been a gift from my psychic abilities is that my grandfather will communicate to me and say, pay attention to today. And and I saw that because my initial fear was, what's going to happen? What if, what if, what if? 
Yeah. The reality is there's no what if there. Pay attention to the larger themes. And I want to ask you, do you have a, an opinion on that yourself? Have you experienced that? And what, what's your take on that? Yes. And again, connecting dots. <laughs> yeah. The fun part, you know, first of all, everybody wants to be happy. You know, we generally don't meet people who don't want to be happy. And the only thing we ever have in this, too, has been proven scientifically is right now. Right. Can't be happy for 2.31 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't make that decision now. I have no power over 2.31 tomorrow afternoon until that's now. And since everybody wants to be happy, how can you be happy if you're not having fun? And since the only thing we have is now, the secret to happiness is having fun. Fun. And then what I have noticed to connect these dots is that your happiness is your power. If you're not happy, you don't have any power. And if you're not happy, you don't get the insight, whether it's from a dream or just, oh, crap, there's that thing. I know, now I know, right? Just because when we're happy, when we're having fun, our hearts are open, which then means our, our spiritual minds, our emotions are open to receiving information that will benefit us. I mean... I couldn't get a better answer to define that or explain it. I appreciate it. I want to ask you about self-love because that's a big lesson. Even in my forties, I've learned about self-love and yeah. I feel like without self-love, you can't really enter into strong, cohesive relationships. You got to be able to love yourself first before you can get into a foundation with someone else. And I know from your childhood and the traumas you were, you went through early in your, in your life that you've talked about in your book. I wanted to ask if you could describe for our audience when it was that you were able to figure out what self-love is about and its importance in your own life? It was in that exercise that my psychologist took me through where, where I connected to five-year-old Walter and realized that, damn, I was beautiful. I was beautiful. And then making that connection that, well, I'm still that guy. I'm still that little guy. I'm still beautiful. And that's the thing that it took me quite a while. My psychologist would say, you need to look in the mirror and look in your eyes in the mirror and say, I love you, Walter. Right. I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I didn't love him because I had lived so many years of of having been put down as an adult and putting myself down. And of course, having been put down as a as a child, especially by the adoptive abusive parents. But when I finally figured out, well, these eyes are little Walter's eyes too. If I look in my eyes in the mirror and see little Walter's eyes, oh shit, is he easily lovable? Oh my God, he's adorable. He's beautiful. And I love him. And all of that was missing when I saw adult Walter's eyes. To me, that was the key. And then what she encouraged me to do, and also in a class that I was taking that really changed my life, it was on the book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Uh, I met some, some really beautiful people through that. But one of the things that she emphasizes in that series of books, The Artist's Way, is connecting with your inner child and really loving your inner child and loving the beauty of your inner child, because that's where love comes from. When we fall in love with somebody, it's the five-year-old in us falling in love with the five-year-old in them. That's who we see. Oh, man, we become so vulnerable. You're so beautiful. I love you. Right? And, of course, that's at the beginning. And then later on, the adult in us takes over and we see this, this negative stuff about us, the negative stuff about them. But it's 
all about being that little five-year-old. And then I brought up Julia Cameron because she encouraged having an ongoing relationship. And that's something I started to do. It was maybe about eight or nine years ago. And that is, I talked to him, little Walter, right? If I'm on a walk, I'll hold hands with the little Hummer and talk to him and be glad that he's there. Every once in a while in psychic readings, I'm listening to my angel guides, but I'm also listening to little Walter. Because at five years old, we're still in tune with where we came from, which is the spirit world. And Julia Cameron says, we're the wisest we ever will be when we're five years old and younger. Because of that, we're still in tune. You know, it's so interesting. I feel like there's so much overlapping with your interview with me today and and the viewpoints I feel as a psychic myself. Meaning when I talk to my clients, I talk about their inner child. I mean, a lot of us do in this type of stuff, but... The fact that you put importance on it, it resonates with me because I tell anyone I talk to that we are all little children inside our bodies. And the more we can recognize that with one another, the better we can relate to each other and get past these idiosyncrasies of our adult selves, right? Yeah. The, the drama, the baggage, whatever it is, insecurities. Children yeah. don't have insecurities as much because I feel like they don't they don't think about the insecurities. It's not something that res- it's like life experience and negative situations, disappointments, whatever it is. That's what creates the insecurities that we deal with and we carry. They're in the moment. Yeah, like animals, they're in the moment. It's one of the things that I help clients with, and I know you do too, and that is even if it's your boss, see him or her as a vulnerable little five-year-old, and then they're not so threatening. Then you can relate. Then your heart's open, and then you can understand that, well, yeah, Susan, my boss, is going through amazing crap in her life right now. And of course, she's on edge. And so I'm going to be a little bit more patient. And that's all because I saw five-year-old Susan, not Susan, the the one who's been on my case. You know what? That's an interesting point. If you can look at somebody and think of them as the five-year-old child, vulnerable, afraid, or having, you know, to really deal with a lot of complexity, that'll make you kinder. Not only patience, but kinder and tolerant, right? And that could help all of us. Mm-hmm. If we could do that as like some type of challenge, you know, these people go on TikTok and they have these dance challenges and stuff. I almost feel like someone should have a TikTok challenge. Imagine <laughs> so-and-so as a five-year-old child. How would you handle this? <laughs> that's great. That's great. I like that a lot. Maybe that's something for your, your new show. Psychic visions, right? Really? Well, it's it's interesting because you were mentioning psychic visions earlier, and I was like, yeah, that's actually on my mind a lot right now because we're locking yeah. things. I, I really enjoy having a fellow psychic like you on the show to share these experiences with because I think our audience gains from understanding the insight. They're always so curious, like we're like some like special breed or someone with magic powers, like Professor X from uh, Xavier from X Men. <laughs> you know how many times I've been called that kind of analogy because I have a shaved head probably you know what I mean like people tease us about those things but the way I look at it is being who we are is no different than anybody else it's like someone with brown eyes versus blue eyes and everybody can be intuitive everybody can be psychic if they really focus and put their efforts into it some of us just happen to have experiences that give us insight and give us some natural aptitude for it I believe yeah absolutely I agree 100% and then here's another thing I'm sure you've run into and that is Okay, my experiences make a good book, maybe a good movie or miniseries, because it's epic. It starts in a war-torn country, and and then I actually end up having a pretty successful music career. I was in a number 18 Billboard charts hit in Europe, and that was fun, right? But the whole point is just it's normal. It's normal life, and I have never 
met anybody that doesn't on some level, hasn't on some level experienced amazing pain, amazing pain. I think that's a common theme of life on our planet. And so, you know, even though one person's story may make a good book, it's it's no more relevant than anybody else's story. And gosh, every one of our clients has gone through really horrific stuff. And that's where all of us really connect, right? If we can see ourselves as vulnerable and open up to our vulnerability, then we are no longer dangerous to other people if we're being vulnerable. Vulnerable? Why is that hard to say? <laughs> it's sort of like physicist, right? You can't really sound sober when you say physicist. <laughs> but when we're vulnerable, usually other people tend to respond by also being vulnerable. Right. I love love those moments, though. Right. I mean, don't you love those moments where you could sit down with someone you're friends with or someone you're interested in? And and there might be a love interest, but you just met each other and you get that opportunity to sit across from each other. And I'm not saying you have to have a few drinks with you. You could just have that moment and and, and you open up the vulnerability (laughs) within each other. And that's how you get closer. That's how you that's how you, you know, get to experience these things we're grateful for in life. That's life. And that's one of the main reasons that, that that I wanted to put the book out there is to in in protecting my own vulnerability, being criticized and judged by some people for what I went through, especially because I included a couple of scenes of, of sexual abuse of a child. But allowing myself to be vulnerable, my intention is for other people to also open up to their own vulnerability, because that's when we really understand ourselves. If we're hiding from ourselves, from our own feelings, we don't know who we are. And there's no damn way we can be happy. There's just no way. We'll never be happy with that. If you're you're not authentic with yourself, if you're denying a part of yourself or denying who you are or, or not comfortable with your inner inner feelings, you're never going to be happy. You're always going to have an aversion to gratitude. You're not going to have fun. You're going to feel like you're acting a role your whole life and it's going to be draining. And the power thing, your, your happiness is your power. Also, it takes about 10 times more energy to suppress your feelings than to just release them. 10 times more. And it's defeating because we end the day being exhausted because we've been suppressing who we really are all day. Whereas if we allow our vulnerability, we open up to our own spiritual self, self-love, and then other people are, are more attractive to us because they respond with their own vulnerability. I really do appreciate the term empowerment. And I know you call yourself the empowerment psychic. And that is like, just a plus to me like anyone who uses that like i'm the social psychic but you're the empowerment psychic i wanted to, i mean i just think that's so cool like how did you come up with that and i know how you do it because you're doing it already on our show today you're empowering me through our conversation <laughs> i know you're going to empower our audience but how did you uh how did you get to call yourself that i don't actually know I, uh, you know the first thing that comes to me is that it was one of my guides who brought it to me i have a female guide and a male guide on the other side. And I have a pretty close, intimate, emotionally intimate relationship with them. And I know their names because I asked and I recommend that to people. First of all, be aware that you're you're getting information from somewhere, right? And maybe it's your grandpa or your mama who died, or maybe it's Arfanur, your female guide, right? And 
listen to the information, but that, that, but then also to have a more close relationship and to get more information, ask their name. Ask their name. It's that My simple. Own. And My go with the first thing that comes, right? Arfanur, I'd never heard that word. It was there. It makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't know what it means, but there she is. When I say Arfanur, <gasps> I feel her. I feel her, right? And she just envelops me. I'm getting a full body chill now, just feeling this entity, right? And I, my experience is everybody has guides. Interesting, as I, as I think of that when you're describing things, I, I, for us, we get spiritual experiences every time we read with somebody or anytime we, or we're talking right now, we're, gonna, we're having spiritual experiences as we yeah. talk about these things. Because as you're describing things, I feel like I can sense it. I want, I want to ask you, because everyone always, always says to me, oh, you can talk to dead people, right? <laughs> and one of the things I say to them in response is, I try to simplify things. I think that if we're able to simplify what we do, the general public won't be afraid of coming to us. People wouldn't be afraid to explore their own spirituality and their own intuitive abilities. And if you're able to make it as something as simple as I read energy, that's what, that's what I tell people. I read energy. Yes. I talk to energy from the other side, but when you call them dead, in my opinion, (laughs) they're still alive because how the heck would they be interacting with us? Yeah. Yeah. And so I tell people it's all about energy and and anyone can relate to energy because we have our own cell phones. We charge our phones and we have the little chips and everything else. And so from my vantage point, at least how I explain psychic stuff is to try to make it so it's understandable and relatable. And I want to see from your own personal experiences, when you work with your clients and people in the public and just being on a show like this, how do you explain the psychic thing to people? And do you believe it's something similar to what I'm kind of bringing up? Or do you think it might be something else based on your experiences? Similar, and maybe even exactly the same, because I'm sure for you too, it changes uh, dependent upon how I'm feeling at the moment or what my awarenesses are or the other person's awarenesses at the moment. In other words, we can see it from this angle. We can see it from that angle. We can see it from this angle and it's all the same, but it changes definitions a little bit, but it's all the same. And that is energy and quantum physics is, you know, at least in terms of a layman's understanding of basic understanding of quantum physics has shown us for quite a, quite a while now. And it seems to be relatively accepted that everything is energy, everything. Energy is constant. So who are we to say that someone dies? I just say, it's like when the battery goes dead on your phone, your body runs out of energy and it runs out of the, whatever runs it. And you transcend to the next spot and you're in the next realm or whatever you want to call it. Like having, Spirit world, whatever. Energy. I just wanted to come full circle on that. I read a book. This was actually before I started my therapy, a book called The Holographic Universe, which is a new theory of existence that's been postulated for about 50 years, which is the first theory of existence that encompasses everything. Nothing is left to the supernatural. There is an explanation for everything. And the basis is, to put it real real quickly, a hologram is something that we have been able to create scientifically since the early 60s. A hologram contains, I'm not going to go into how to create one, but it contains what is called a a wave interference pattern, frequency interference pattern, because it's all energy. Everything is energy. And when a bunch of different frequencies come together, they literally create a new pattern that distributes itself equally throughout the space of the hologram. Let's say it's a hologram of an apple. And 
you can take any little portion of that hologram, it contains the information of the whole because all the frequencies combine to make this wave interference pattern, which then again distributes itself equally. And the theory now is that the universe, first of all, all energy, all frequencies, and all these frequencies come together and make one massive wave interference pattern, which then distributes itself equally throughout the universe, which means that the information of the whole of the entire universe is available at any given spot. That's how the hologram works. And so that means that the information of the whole is inside my head right in front of my eyes, inside my client's head. And all we have to do, as you keep saying, is relax down into it. And for me, that was when I realized, well, yeah, I could probably be a psychic professionally because now there's scientific proof. You know, it's not just woo-woo, foo-foo when I read energy. (laughs) It's, dude, here's why. Here's why. And nothing is left to the supernatural. Everything can be explained in this theory of existence. And it's something that's becoming more and more commonly accepted by scientists, physicists. There's that word again. (laughs) I I laugh at the word supernatural because once again, that's attributing something special, something esoteric, (laughs) something mythical, mystical. And I'm like, look, I consider myself an average person, even though I have certain things, right? And if I'm an average person having these experiences and and a lot of other people that come to you and come to me, they seem like they're fleeing something when they're afraid of their spiritual awakening moment. I I think it's, it's, it's something that we just don't grasp yet. We don't understand yet. We will in time, but we haven't gotten there yet. It's like trying to explain how does death happen? Well, you know, it's a process. It's going to be every one of us is going to experience it. And, and if that's something that exists, then why is it something we fear? Because you think everyone in the universe has a horrible, painful experience upon death? Or do you think it's more like falling asleep on the couch while watching TV? It's subtle. You don't notice it. And you exchange from one reality to the next. And, and so my vantage point sharing all that with you is I've had a great time and fun interviewing you today because we've talked about so many amazing topics in a small little package. Thank you. And- you too. And, and, and in terms of what I'm bringing up to you, I feel like I could turn this interview into a higher level discussion of spirituality just because you understand what I'm talking about and our audience can appreciate that. Yeah. I want to ask you this, looking at where you are, where you've been and where you're headed, what would be the one thing you'd like to share with our audience about your own future path and what you have coming up that you haven't shared before? About my personal future path, or do you mean uh, in terms of, well, it's both helping people, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to, I mean, the reason, the main reason that I want my my book to turn into a movie or a mini series is to get the message out there to the masses. It's why you have two radio shows, (laughs) right? Yeah, to get the message out because messengers. Yeah, the messages, right, of what we've been saying this whole time. Have fun, have fun, have fun. Be happy now. Be grateful. Figure out a way to to bring this happiness and this awareness into your life because there is power in it. Your happiness is your power. And so to me, that's the message. And and I want it to become a a hit movie or a hit miniseries so that the book becomes a bestseller so that I can really influence a hell of a lot of people to find their self-love, to find their peace, their harmony, their happiness in their lives. I love that. I couldn't leave that on a better note with us. (laughs) I I do want to say this because I want to make sure our audience can read you. Your information is going to be in the show notes, but if our audience wants to get a hold of you, how would they be able to reach you? First of all, the book, it is called They Came 
subtitle is Beyond Deja Vu, and it's available as a paperback, as a Kindle, and as an audiobook with me narrating it on Amazon.com. Then people can find me on WalterZajak.com, and that may be hard to spell, so an easier way would be PsychicWalter.com. There's information about the book and about my work. Thank you. Walter, based on our conversation, I'm going to go back to one of my, you probably heard this on another episode. It's one of my older episodes. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? It's interesting. The first thing that comes to me is one that is a spirit animal that came to me during a shamanic journey that I went on. And that is a lioness, a female lion. Lioness because, you know, even though, the male lion is the dude with the hair, right? Which <laughs> we, we, we hope for. Dude, I wish I had some, right? And he's supposedly the, the king of the jungle, right? And yet my impression of the lioness is, no, she's the fierce one. She's the fierce one, right? She's the, the, the she's a hunter, as I recall, the lioness, right? And she's a nurturing, loving being. She's the reason the kids are alive and get nurtured and grow up. Right. And dad's off being the king. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So to I me, that. lioness. Yeah. I always say owl and I haven't been creative to come up with a new one because I have two parrots. It's a safe answer. <laughs> but I'll say I'll say I like wisdom a lot and I'm all about a quest of journey. Uh, talking to you today has given me a lot of inspiration and knowledge and insight. It resonates with me. And, cool. and I really appreciate you coming on to share your information with us. And what an amazing interview for me. So thank, thank you for that. I just want to thank Walter Zajac for coming on the show today. His book's called They Came Beyond Deja Vu. I love when other fellow psychics come on the show and share their experiences. And a couple of things I gained from my conversation with Walter today, it's the importance of utilizing gratitude in your life. It's taking moments of despair and anxiety or fear and, and trying to galvanize yourself to appreciate what you're grateful for. Because if you're able to do that, you're not going to be as afraid. You're not going to come from a source of negativity. A few years ago, I had cancer. When I went through that experience, <clears throat> I developed a lot of gratitude myself in the circumstances of my life experiences. And I believe very heavily that gratitude is important. I also think having fun, not taking everything so seriously is such an important aspect of who we are and what we're doing. And of course, third, being happy. I highly recommend you check out this information as entertained as I was having Walter on the show today. I definitely believe you're going to find his book is very riveting and entertaining as well. Check it out. The information will be in the show notes, check out psychicwalter.com. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the social psychic radio show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. 
Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Electric acid.